So welcome everybody to Real Artist Stories. Uh, this is Lee Fuller, welcome to my podcast. Uh, tonight we have a super special uh, guest that's on uh, with us tonight that's uh, <laughs> probably gonna have some really cool stories that you're gonna wanna hear about. Uh, his name is Roger Caps, and he is one of the original, or is the, I, I think you are the original bass player for Pat Benatar, is that correct, Roger? That's true, Pat and I, uh, went to New York and we were a duo for o over a year before we got our first band. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Okay, well, that's good good information. So uh, I'm gonna for for those of us, or I'm sorry, those of you that are listening right now, I'm gonna play. I, I know some of you are maybe young enough to where you don't know Pat Benatar's name per se, but you absolutely are gonna know her music. So I'm gonna play a little cut of a song that's called Shadows in the Night that you will likely recognize. He, she's done all sorts of different things and Roger was playing bass on this so I'm going to play that right now and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Roger. We're running with the shadows of the night So baby take my hand it'll be alright Surrender all your dreams to me tonight They'll come true in the Okay, so uh, Roger, that that uh, as I said before, and when, when we were talking, kind of off off the air, uh, you were in that video, right? I think you were playing one of the German soldiers in the Shadows in the Night video. Is that right? Yes, and so was Myron Grumbacher. <laughs> okay, yeah, wait, who is that? For for those that don't know That's who that the is, drummer, the, red, the red drummer at the time. Oh, okay, okay, cool, got it. So um, to, to give a little background, um, Roger, I think you started, uh, or I, I should say, the very first album for uh, that you played on with, uh, with Patty and, and Neil was um, the, in 1979. Is that right? Does that make sense? Indeed of the night. But Patty and I did an album a few years before that uh, where I first met her in Richmond, Virginia in a band called Coxon's Army. And we did an album there. If, if you can find it and you've got $400, it's a, <laughs> it's a bunch of burned out Vegas material, but it's a fun, fun album. So, so let's start at the beginning, uh, Roger. I know you, you and I are friends on Facebook, uh, and we've shared, you've shared a lot of pictures with me um, and, and uh, history and stories. Uh, I, I absolutely love the Polaroids that you used to do on the tour bus with uh, Patty. Uh, those things are awesome. I think that's that's so cool. It reminds me of the almost famous uh, movie where they show those those Polaroids at the end. Um, so tell me about, so let's go back to you and how you started uh, in the music industry. And I know you sent me a picture on, on Facebook uh, of the very first guitar that your mom gave you. And she's she's holding that guitar. So tell me that tell me that story. Well, that was a K acoustic guitar. Uh, my sister married a guy in Tahunga, California, and my mom went there 
Uh, well, I went too to visit. Uh, stayed at his parents' house. They had a swimming pool, and his guitar, that one, was in his bedroom. And I had never played a guitar before, but I had watched all the country music shows. How old were you then? Oh, nine. Ah, okay. And uh, and I, I became enamored with the, the guitar. So then nine months later, when my sister had the first child, um, my uh, brother-in-law, Rich, sent mom home with that guitar on her lap on the plane with no case. So she carried that through the airport <laughs> and uh, gave it to me. And I started, uh, I found out I had a pretty good ear, and so I picked out a bunch of songs on it and uh, played it for a couple of months. Then one day there's a knock on the door, and it's, uh, it says, Hi, I'm Kerry Hodge. You got a guitar? Let me see it. And then he tuned it. I didn't know how to tune a guitar, ah. but I could pick out songs on it. Yeah. So all my songs were gone. Then I discovered I had a really good ear because with the new tuning, I got all my songs back in just a couple of weeks. Oh. And, uh, and, and, and uh, sorry, go ahead. Carrie was a guitar player, and he had a he had a band, and invited me to uh, play in the band. But he said, "You've got to get a bass and an amp. We don't have a bass player." Oh. So I went to mom and I said, "Mom, I need a bass." So she got me that uh, Gibson EBO and an Atlas Four amp, and that's how I started to be a bass player. Wow. So you you didn't you clearly you didn't start out thinking you were going to play bass. You started out just thinking you were going to play regular guitar. I just played guitar because I saw it on TV and I enjoyed music. I had no plans to be a pro. Right. Well, that clearly clearly changed. <laughs> so Well, you see I was raised uh, as Jehovah's Witness, so I've been on stage in front of an audience from eight years old. Uh -huh. So I wasn't shy on stage. So when the first gig, I think we played Tyson Junior High School there in Knoxville for $5. That was my first gig. And wow. I just loved being on stage. Wow. And never had a problem since. Yeah, that, that, that bug bit you. And then, then you decided oh, yeah. you had to to stay with it. So, um, and, and again, just, just because I want to give people a reference. So you started out with, um, with Patty in, uh, in a band clearly before you actually did any, anything professional. Did you and, and Patty, uh, how, how is it that you became signed? What, what, can you tell me a, a story about how you were signed to a label? Was the, I, I heard that there was an interesting story behind that. So, I'm kind of curious about that part. Well, uh, we were in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, I had a, a double neck Dan Electro guitar, it was a guitar and a bass. I did an arrangement of Stairway to Heaven, sort of a reggae, head-knocking, uh, gentle reggae version of Stairway to Heaven, and Patty just sang the hell out of it. You know, eight and a half octaves from the bottom to the top. That's amazing. And uh, I made a, a recording of it, and somehow it got to uh, uh, Chrysalis Records in New York, and Patty decided she was from Lindenhurst, Long Island, and so she went to New York to uh, see what the excitement was about. And while she was up there, she got signed, and uh, oh, it was six weeks she was gone. I couldn't stand it, so I went to New York, and we started playing at uh, Catch a Rising Star. Rick Newman owned the place. Oh, and yeah, yeah. He, he fell in love with her and became her manager. Oh. And so we played there all the time and played the local colleges and other bars around New York. And uh, hired musicians, you know, just every week it was a new set of musicians, and uh, we'd rehearse and 
play some tunes that I wrote and uh, she was doing a lot of uh, like Neil Diamond and other Vegas material. Oh, just okay. whatever she wanted, you know. Yeah. She had a good voice. And uh, and we just kept playing, kept playing. We got the, the first band together in the first album. <clears throat> uh, we cut that. That was in the heat of the night. Right. And uh, went on tour for six weeks. And while we were out, it went platinum, then multi-platinum. And we extended two more weeks, two more weeks, and 14 and a half months later, we were multi-platinum and worldwide. That's amazing. That's, that, that, that's incredible. I mean, to go only six weeks on tour and then have it go multi-platinum, that's, that's, that's amazing. Especially, I think in that time, um, it's certainly different than today where we have, you know, the internet and you become an instant, you know, we have the Bruno Marses and the, the, you know, the guys from the internet that, that kind of all of a sudden become superstars um, because of the, the medium. But back in those days, it wasn't like that. No, you had to do the work. You yep. had to go play in front of people. You had to meet and greet. You had to go do interviews, the newspaper and, uh, a little bit of television, not much. Yep. So, tell me, do you have a? Tell me, you've got to have a really good story that uh, you can tell us about being out on the road. So there, there's got to be something that's like your favorite, something that stood out, something that was bizarre, funny, sad, wh whatever. I mean, there's got to be a really good story you've got from that time, right? Uh, there's a lot of stories. Uh... When, um, well, you know, we were the first rock video on MTV when it started up. That was yeah. when we did the second album. Keith Olsen uh, was, he was friends with somebody with MTV and, and said he could uh, fix us up. So we went and shot that, uh, we had that video done and he got that put on and, uh, that was, I think it was You Better Run, yep. I think. Yep, yep, uh, And that got to be the first. And, and that was really the first time I saw myself on TV. And <laughs> I remember it was a Tuesday. So uh, how did that feel? I mean, here you are, uh, a kid from, you, you were from Richmond, Virginia, right? And, well, from Tennessee, but yeah, Patty yeah. and I were Richmond. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. You are from Tennessee, so... Well, Here's a kid kid from Tennessee that starts playing a guitar that his mom bought him uh, from a friend, and all of a yep. sudden, boom, here you are, the number two in line. You were the second video ever on MTV, and now here you are on TV, and you're you're almost a superstar overnight. How, that's got, how was that for you? It was pretty good. I started getting checks in the mail. Bought a house, a couple of cars. <laughs> uh, went to Europe several times. Yeah. And uh, but you know, there's always a downside. Uh, there was a lot of girls uh, that I thought liked me, but it turned out to be more about money. Right. Uh, so I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're probably better off than most of us. You know that, right? <laughs> I guess I don't know. Well, I, I think that that the, the 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 time you've had uh, with with Patty and Neil, and I know I know just recently you got to see them again. You went to I know we're again we're friends on Facebook, and I saw that you were able to visit with them again um, after quite a quite a bit of time. So, how was that for you? How was it? To, did you, did you get to kind of reminisce with with Patty and Neil, or or how was how did that go? Yeah, my uh, my friend and manager Tony, uh, I'd been in touch with Neil, and he hooked us up with uh, a bunch of tickets, and uh, we got there early, about four o'clock, and got to visit with them an hour or so before the show, and uh, and Patty was beautiful, her hair's platinum, and I noticed that. Yeah, so's yeah, Neil's. And <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, he's been that way a long time. Yeah, yeah, yes. But uh, really good-looking couple. And then uh, 
my seats were in the 17th row center, and she sang better than I ever heard her before. She was hitting notes perfectly. It was just the best show ever, and uh, I couldn't be more happy. You know, I was very proud of her. Yeah, she's she's amazing, and so is, so is Neil. But uh, that that's incredible. So being in a such a high profile band for such a long period of time uh i mean you guys stretch from the 70s through the 90s so that's not that's not a small chunk of time you know you you spent a lot of time there uh, i mean was that did that become um what you kind of expected it to be or was there was there something about it that that you know maybe wasn't exactly what you expected how, how did you how did you feel about you know, kind of be. I know the music industry can be very fickle, and it, and it, you know, you're only as good as your last album, and you're only good as your ticket sales. So, you know, how how was that on you personally? Did you kind of feel comfortable with that? Was it rough on you? Uh, how, how how was it? Well, we started in '74 doing that first album with Coxon's Army, and uh, Patty was just cute as pie, and. Uh, and sang a little bit flat, but she was taking voice lessons from Joanna Spires, uh, an opera. Oh God, like, she's she's world renowned. Joanna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that uh, name. Yeah. Patty's mom was an opera singer too. Yeah. So that's how she knew uh, Joanna, and uh, Patty got better and better, and so uh, in the ten years I played with her from seventy four to eighty four. Uh, the first tour, like I said, went to 14 and a half months and two European tours. And we went to Europe every year after that. And uh, every album went multi-platinum. It's just everybody really liked her and her music and her band. I'm proud of that. Yeah. And uh, we had good musicians and good management. Uh, and the thing about Patty and Neil more than anybody else in the industry is they're the most fairest, honest people I've ever known. Well, that's yeah. that's rare and, and wonderful to find in the industry. Yeah, you'll never hear anything bad about either one of them, ever. Well, like I said, that's rare and, and, and wonderful in the industry because the music industry, like I mentioned, can be extremely fickle, as you know. Um, yeah, and you gotta you gotta <laughs> watch your money, as they say. Uh, but uh, I think that probably what is most impressive, um, and, and I'm gonna kind of jump ahead here to a time where you and I met. You and I first met at the House of Blues in Anaheim, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And we, I, I, I forget exactly where why I was there. Um, but I remember, uh, when you came out to play, um, and, and you, you were so, um, approachable and, and willing to talk to people and willing to be with the fans and, and, uh, you know, ha having a, you were clearly just having a blast. So you have not quit playing. You're still, you know, playing and, and banging it out even today. I, I know you and I had a conversation because I, I, discussed with you the ability uh, or, or my possibility of playing bass at some point and I know you gave me some advice about some basses to get and some some equipment to go with so uh, but you're you're still out there doing it even today tell tell me you know tell our listeners about what you're doing right now well I'm um, like everybody else I'm sitting at home because of COVID ah, yeah I played I played a gig about a week ago uh, well, two weeks ago, and uh, and of course I got to see Patty and Neil a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, but other than that, it's been really, really quiet. My bass playing fingers a little bit itchy. Yeah. Well, uh, weren't you uh, weren't you out just the uh, the other day? I, I thought I, unless it was a uh, picture from a while ago um, where you were just out playing not not too long ago, right? Weren't you out playing yeah. with some people? Yeah, a few days ago, uh, they had a jam session at a place called the Red Dog. 
Ah, okay. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, good players. Yeah, that that in the, it's a big uh, Quonset hut kind of tent kind of place, and uh, and they just invite healthy people that they know. So it was a good chance to play, even though COVID's out there. Right, right. And we could play without masks. So have you got any plans now to? do some more recording once this whole COVID thing lets up? No, I'm sitting by the phone and uh, I've never turned down a gig. And as long as the recording studio or the gig allows uh, dogs and I can take Hambone, I'll do it. <laughs> Hambone's got to go. <laughs> oh, he's got to go. Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. For those of you, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, Roger's uh, dog who's who's just a an amazing it, a big part of his facebook uh appearances and 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 just came out of a rather lengthy uh stint of having an eye infection i remember so that that was a little scary but uh yeah i think um i think most of the um crowd here would love to know like who were your biggest influences you you started out pretty young so there was a, a, a time where you had some of the best of the best that were influential artists back in those days. So uh, who are you, who, who were your biggest influences that, that kind of drove you? When I started, I was uh, pretty much soul music, you know, Sam and Dave, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding. Uh, I knew every song that all three of them did. And I was in soul music bands in high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just love that so much. And then in the 60s, uh, the Kinks came out with You Really Got Me, and I heard that guitar. And that's when I started liking rock and roll. And uh, and I started leaning that way, and I found out what rock and roll really did and uh, fell in love with that. I still have my R&B roots, and that's, you know, like... Uh, Booker T and the MGs, Duck Dunn, the bass player. Yep. That's my style. You know, it's it's kind of country, kind of straight ahead, simple, but funky. Yep. And uh, that's the way I still play today. Did you, uh, so were you able to meet any of your your uh, big influencers, you know, during your career? Have, were you able to, to meet them or play with them or have, have some time to really chat well, with them? got to go to uh, all three of those shows. I saw Otis several times, Wilson Pickett several times, and Sam and Dave. I got to meet Sam and Dave uh, uh, backstage, and uh, I never met Otis, but I did meet Steve Cropper, which was pretty special. He's one of the finest guitar players ever and wrote uh, a lot of those songs Steve yep. did. yep. So, um, it, it, well, it, you know, even just Sam and Dave are legends. You know, I mean, that they they were legends, legends in the music industry. Uh, so, I think so many people can kind of point back to them and their roots and say, you know, I, I had something from Sam and Dave that that uh, influenced us. Um, so, thinking of, of music from that perspective and, and writing, I know you did some writing on your own. Uh, that was your own music. Have you really had a chance to record some of your own stuff? Uh, no, just what Patty did. Um, I I do have recording gear, and I'm working on some stuff. But uh, it seems I write better when I write with someone. Like Hell is for Children, Neil put the fast part on the end, which really made the song work. Right. And Neil's arrangement abilities. He's just fantastic. His uh, years with Rick Derringer, who was a real task man, man, uh, master, had Neil rehearse five hours a day with a metronome. Oh, and that really put Neil over the top. Wow. Well, and, and for those that uh, oh, probably should, I know we're, we're kind of talking um, loosely about Patty and Neil, so who we're talking about obviously is Pat Benatar, but we're also talking about Neil Gerardo, who's who's her husband now, um, and uh, has been playing with her for 
Well, actually, when did Neil join the band? Well, I was there the day uh, Mike Chapman called Neil in, told Neil, hey, I've got somebody that you need to work with and write with. Neil thought it was a guy. He came to rehearsal and met Patty, and uh, and he brought a blue Stratocaster. I played Chameleon by... Uh, uh, oh, I forget his name, but anyway, and he's chicka 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 on the guitar, and then he turned his yeah. back and started wailing. And you know Neil can wail. Yeah, and Patty went down to her knees and started headbanging, and that's the moment she fell in love with him. Really? And it was just a few months later they got married. Yeah, I remember that was kind of a quick whirlwind, uh, and it, you know, to, hey all my best to them because they're still together and, and they've got kids yeah, it and worked. it's it's an amazing you know testament to to a musical couple and that's very rare in the entertainment industry to have people that were well, you know and how cute was she with that little belly yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy. she's uh she's not exactly um the, the biggest girl in the world <laughs> so five feet and I think she was 97 pounds when I met her really oh my gosh that's yeah. amazing yeah well you know it, it's I, I've seen her quite a few times in concert that and unfortunately I didn't see uh, her when you were with her because uh, I would have loved to have seen that but you know it doesn't matter it's irrelevant I get to see you now so that that part's good <laughs> uh, so uh, going moving back to your kind of childhood roots in music um and you had mentioned that i'm assuming you were saying that you were playing uh on stage you were comfortable on stage because you played what at the church did you play for people at the church no i didn't play then that was before guitar i was uh trained to be a minister so i could do public speaking oh. and uh, they had training every week on how to use a microphone and how to use hand gestures and how to speak clearly. Right, right. So you were you were not afraid to be in front of a bunch of people at all. That that was easy no, for you. Not. Yeah. No. And and the and actually, I'm sorry. I meant to. I meant to. Let me step back a little bit because I I meant to ask you a question. Um, how many songs through your time with with Patty did you write? Were you a, a co-writer on or complete writer on? I wrote several, but we only recorded three. Uh, so Sincere, My Clone Sleeps Alone, and Hell is for Children. Mm -hmm. And Hell is for Children is <laughs> hugely popular. I, I still hear that on the radio today. I have many, many, many times. So obviously... Yeah, that was from my own experience. My dad was uh, much loved, uh, a big fan of uh, comedy, but... He changed after World War II. He was a PFC in the Air Force. Something happened to him over there, and he came back, and he wasn't as happy as he was before. So he's a little heavy-handed, and uh, and you know that happens to guys that go to war. Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. But uh, that's that song, "Hell Is for Children," is pretty much about his heavy-handedness. Really. So let's talk about that. That starts with a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, it, it totally did. And as a matter of fact, I, I when I was uh, in school, I remember hearing that song. And uh, I mean, it just as a personal story, um, one of the people that that I knew in school heard that song, and for some reason, it stirred something in them and gave them the courage to speak up about what was happening to them at their home and uh they ended up they ended up going to a counselor at school and and uh were eventually removed from their home and and saved i think in in many ways so it's it's amazing i know I, i'm sure you probably heard stories like that about uh, your song before but you know i i, I think it it bears repeating that when when you as an artist and you correct me if I'm wrong here Roger when you as an artist bear your soul essentially to bring a story through music 
to the masses, which you were, you know, talented and lucky enough to be able to to do. Um, I I I I wonder if there isn't a, a a kind of a bigger purpose for that, and and I know that as you probably have heard some of those stories about people that you know may have been motivated or or you know instigated a, a some sort of change in their lives when they're when they're listening to your music does that make you want to write something more like that i mean does it does it make you feel like you you need to kind of add I, I guess for lack of a better term add to that um kind of outreach from you is that is that something that motivates you to do that well that sounds unique it came out of nowhere and it was sort of a poem well all my songs are poems first hmm. uh, and uh, and it just fit together and I've tried to write things similar to it but nothing touches that so I throw them away really it just really doesn't work, not like that one does. Yeah, was that uh, was that something that you brought to Patty? Kind of. Uh, so actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to narrate it. Let, let I'm gonna let, let you narrate it. So tell well, tell us the evolution of how that became your poem and went from your poem to being a multi platinum song. Well, when uh, I went to New York and we started playing at Catch. That's when I wrote it, and uh, mm -hmm. without that fast part at the end that Neil added later, uh, we did it. Uh, we were a duet, and so uh, I had a double neck Dan Electro, and so I played the uh, chords, which are sort of Neil Youngish, mm -hmm. like Ohio, right. a little bit, right, right, uh, and. And Ohio was sort of an inspiration for that song because uh, the military killed those guys. Yep. I thought that was child abuse, so I kind of used that as the foundation for the song. And Patty and I did that every show. Uh, we played six nights a week at Catch, and we would do that. We worked on it every night, got it better and better. And uh, it always got a really good response. And then when Neil added that part to it, and we played the US Festival in 1982. Oh my God! I, I you know what? I did see you then because I was at the US Festival. So okay, yeah. I, I have to backtrack and say, you know what? I did there. say you play. <laughs> Eddie was there. Kinks were there. There was a lot of people there, and uh, and when 400,000 people raise their hands in the air. You know, beating the sky, going hell is for hell. Yeah, uh, never forget that moment. Yeah, that that was the biggest performance of that song. It, so, it, and and in that sense, uh, to kind of build on what you're saying, what would you say that moment? Well, it, actually, let me back up because I want to I want to ask the question in a way that that you can really tell us a story about. Um, so knowing you were clearly involved with a band that was phenomenal and was supportive of you clearly um and and you being the talent that you were when what at what point in your career and and maybe you can pinpoint a specific time a specific place a specific day a specific performance whatever that really told you oh my god I'm a superstar. I'm I'm a rock star now. Was there a, was there a point where you kind of went, "Oh my god, I've made it." Well, actually no that never did happen. I've never been my ego's never gotten in my way. Yeah. Um, always cared for my friends and respected them and uh, I never put my ego first ever um, it just never struck me I knew that I had money when I needed it I could go where I wanted to and uh, looking back I've never really had a job in my whole life I've only done music 
and I'm thankful for everything I have. Yeah, and and I'm sure that you can say it's true that if you are doing something that you love and you're passionate about, you never work a day in your life. That's true. Yeah. That's for sure. And you know, I I I, I can totally respect the the fact that you're you you you're, you feel like your ego is not driving you uh, to all of that. I I just think I know for me, and I I've, I've been a musician off and on through my life. Um, and I can tell you, um, I share in that amazement and, and complete, um, utter excitement when you're standing on a stage and you're watching a crowd of people that are reacting to your music in such a way that they're just, they're so into it that you're, you're making a difference in their lives. And I I can imagine there's got to be tons and tons of times where you've felt that exact same thing well it's really exciting to be on stage look out over the crowd see the light in their eyes and then watch their lips as they say the words to songs you've written (laughs) it's really something yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's part of the uh, part of the amazement of of being an entertainer i think uh you know uh, for me and i've never you know, been uh, as successful as you in in music, but for me, even with the few times that I performed, you're absolutely right. It's it's such a rush. You live for that uh, to have people that join with you in the excitement of of a song that you you've either written or or played well or they know about. Uh, it, it's amazing to to have that feeling. So so now. Um, Fast forwarding again, uh, maybe a little bit to the the current day, more of the current day. Um, do you remember, by the by the way, uh, when we met at the House of Blues? Uh, I'm sure you remember when we met, but do you remember why you were there? You were playing with someone, and I think I was downstairs in the concert venue at the time that you were playing, and then I came back upstairs. Do you remember what that was? I think that that was... Uh... There was a jam that night, but I believe I was with uh, Debbie and Mike Sierras. They had a band called We Belong, which was a Benatar tribute oh, band. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah. We played there that night. And I was in that band for about a year, and just the nicest people ever. And I didn't have to rehearse because I wrote most of the songs. So. <laughs> it's a really easy gig. Do you feel like... Um... And, you know, I, I I kind of have been around a lot of the tribute band, you know, genre of people. Do you feel like there's a lot of good, uh, you know, and, and I only say Benatar because, again, you wrote a lot of the music that, that's part of that. But do you feel like there's a lot of good bands out there that are doing a, an excellent job at, at being a tribute to that well, music? I don't- I see uh, I see mostly Benatar tribute bands and uh, the thing about those kind of bands is they admire Pat and Neil and so they emulate them so they they're pretty nice people too mm-hmm. you know I know Mike and Debbie totally are and uh, there's a, another band called uh, Life from Earth that I jammed with many times uh, I guess there's about six bands over the last few years that I've uh, played with, and uh, we just have the best time. We always get along, and they're always nice people. And it's because of the role models that Pat and Neil are. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you too. I mean, you're you're part of that that whole genre and that whole drive. I mean, you you were a you were as much an instigator of 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 uh, comfort and and happiness to some of these people as Pat and Neil were, I'm sure. And do you? Well, yeah, I was the only I was the only single guy in the band, so <laughs> I was a little bit naughty. <laughs> no, stop it. No, say it isn't true. <laughs> a little bit. Do you uh, do you remember uh, a singer by the name of Christina Kay? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I love her. Yeah, I was looking at a picture of her, my her and me together today. And uh, in that picture also is Shannon Ray. Yeah, Shannon. Oh, my God. Shannon and Christina are 
put the two of them on a stage together and whew, it's amazing. I uh, think they had the live from Earth band. They have, um, I know that, that Christina has started her own band, um, or I shouldn't say started her own band. She's part of a new band and maybe she did start it, I don't know, but Christina and I are friends as I, I am with Shannon um, on Facebook, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they have they have a, a new band that uh, she's doing well with, and uh, it's I think it's actually Pat Benatar Experience is the name of it. And uh, yeah. a, as you know, Christina can belt belt out some tunes as as good as anyone. She's amazing at that. So. Oh sure, yeah, she's a little too. <laughs> yep, yep, she is, and she's been through she's been through a lot. That that kid, I tell you, why well, I shouldn't say kid. She's close to my age, but. Um, but she's been through a lot in the last couple of years. So uh, I, I, I applaud her for doing that. But I, I remember her speaking. And the reason I asked about her is that I remember her speaking to me about you uh, because she had seen us together uh, the night that we were at the House of Blues. And, and she said, how's Roger? How's Roger? And I said, well, aren't you? I, I'm sure you're friends with him on Facebook. Reach out to him and talk to him. And um so I was kind of hoping that, that you guys had stayed together and, or stayed in contact so that uh, you can get a chance to talk to her. So she's she's pretty amazing. So um, I, I, I'm... Well, since I'm up here in Washington, I've been out of touch with all my L.A. friends. It's It's been tough. Yeah. I hope to get back down there in a few months maybe to visit. We'll see. Well, it, it, so I, I'm going to... Obviously, I'll talk to your manager, Tony, and and confirm this with you, but I would love to be able to sit down with you and do a face-to-face interview at some point in time, just to to kind of put names to faces to names, so that our listeners and sure. viewers can can see that. Uh, I, I I miss seeing you down here, my friend. I appreciate that, and uh, and I promise you, when we do get together, you can't shut me up, just like this. <laughs> No, it's your dude. We want to hear your stories. This is all about you. So, and, and so I'm I'm gonna wrap this a little bit uh, up because I actually kind of feel like I'd like to at some point, if it's okay with you, to do a part two uh, where we we talk a little bit more in depth about some of the things that you've done. I I know uh, for me that uh you and I sat and well we talked and I was driving home one day and I called you on the phone and we were talking about uh bass guitars and what I should get and and uh, all of that but I think I would like to talk to you from a true well not that we're not talking about that now but but a true musician's perspective if you know what I mean uh kind of talking to musicians if you were uh, or, or as it were, so that that uh, we're we're kind of giving them some of your expertise and some of your uh, experience and knowledge about uh, what what's going on, and, and I'd love to really talk about kind of the differences between the industry today and the industry as you kind of grew up in in it um, to to learn more about your perspective on that because I think. I, I have my perspective, and I'm not going to give it because it's nobody cares. <laughs> it's not you know who who gives a damn what I think. Uh, but I would love to, from from your perspective, kind of get more of a musician's touch on uh, some of the conversation, if that's okay with you. Sure, I'd be uh, happy to do that. And uh, make a note: I had a band with Greg Wright, which was. Uh, Michael Jackson's guitar player for Beat It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew I knew that name uh, from somewhere. Had a with Ainsley Dunbar. Oh. From, yeah, good drummer. Yep. And uh, he's gone now, but uh, the drummer from Little Feet, we were good friends, Richie Hayward. Yep. Uh, I played with a lot of really good uh, players. Steve Jones was a, a gold top player. Uh, Les Paul player, yep, guitar player, yep. band. Just, a, I've been very fortunate to work with some dynamite players in my career. Yeah, yeah, you've had uh, you've had one hell of a of, of a ride, my friend, and uh, it's been um, a a gold standard that people. I, I think, and I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, for those of you that don't know Roger personally, he's an amazing guy. 
uh, super personable, super friendly. We sat at the House of Blues first time I met him ever, ever in, at all. And you and I sat at the bar at the the uh, foundation room upstairs and and sat and talked like we had known each other for a hundred years. So um, it's 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 a pleasure and an honor to talk to somebody that that not only has accomplished so much in their life, but is is humble enough to be willing to share that information with us because it's rare. It's just rare. There's uh my pleasure, Lee. I really appreciate your friendship. Yep. I appreciate being your friend, my friend. <laughs> so I'm going to close this out and say a huge thank you to Roger Caps for being here. Again, uh, I, I played a little bit of uh, uh, music that uh, he was part of in uh, the beginning. And I think I'm going to probably close out with Hell is for Children uh, as a little bit of, a, of a, an outro, if you will. Uh, which is the song that we were talking about that Roger wrote um, and is an, a, an icon of a song. It was a it was an anthem uh, that kind of res, kind of resound uh, resounded. Is that a word? Resounds resounded. Whatever. <laughs> so my grammar is great. It 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 really rang true with uh, several people. And I, I gave a little story about one of the people that I knew that, that did that. So, you know, Roger's been an influence to so many people, if, if hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. Um, and it's awesome and humbling to be able to sit and talk with them, just like I'm, you know, chatting with them in my living room, you know, just, just talking. So thank you so much, Roger, for your time and your graciousness for being here. Thank you for all the many, many years of amazing music. May there be hundreds of years more <laughs> if, if we can, if, if any of us can stand that uh, being around that long. But, you know, may you, may you continue to play. If you do record anything new, please let me know. I would love to bring some of that out on the podcast if that's okay with you and Tony. So I, sure. I think that would be. I'd that, like to say about Shadows of the Night. Yep. Uh, in the original Benatar band, there was Neil and Scott Sheets. We had two guitars. Uh, they let Scott go because Neil wanted to be the only guitar player. And I miss Scott so much that that's when I started playing eight-string bass. Oh. And, and so on Shadows of the Night, that has Fender bass and my Ibanez eight-string bass on it. That's the only track that I played both basses on. Really? So thank you for playing. That's my favorite track, too. Yeah, it, that's yeah. one of my favorites. And then for those of you that have an opportunity, go check it out on, VH, on VH1. Uh, go check it out on YouTube. I don't know why I brought VH1 up. Um, but go go find the video on YouTube. You'll see Roger in, in that. He plays one of the German soldiers in that that uh, video. Uh, and it, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing, amazing song. Yeah, and we went to Burbank Airport and I was the only guy in the band that went up in the airplanes. Oh, really? Yeah, wore two planes, yeah. Nobody else would go, but I had to go up. I'm a skydiver, so up up there's where I live. You you are you are a better man than I, my friend. I am afraid to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I teased, I teased the pilot and got him to do some barrel rolls and some loops. And he tried to scare <laughs> me. And so, so just to, to before we close out, so Patty was never up in the in the plane. No, uh, uh, no, that was all studio. Oh my gosh! Well, that's that's interesting news to know that you were the only one up there. That's that's very cool. We'll have to talk more about that. I I, I want to get get some more detail about that. I think it'll be fantastic. So, all right, my friend. All hey, right. listen, I'm going to let you go. Um, you've been so gracious with your time already. Um, thank you so much for, for sitting here chatting with me and being as open and, and honest with me as, as you have been. Uh, super to hear the stories. I want to hear more of them. So hopefully we can do another one of these uh, episodes where we get together and, and talk more about this. Uh, so with that, I am going to bring up uh, a song again that we talked about that was written by Roger and uh, made famous with, with he and, and Pat Benatar. Uh, what what year is that, Roger? 82. 82. Okay, so in 1982, the song uh, came out and was a huge, huge hit. 
and uh, um, an, an amazing anthem for our time. So with that, I'm going to close out and say, hey, be, be good humans, be good to each other. Be, you know, thank you again, Roger. Uh, thank you, Tony, for making this happen. It, Tony is, is Roger's manager. I really appreciate him uh, facilitating this for us and uh, making this all happen. I know we had some challenges with the computer. and He stuck it out and did, did what he had to do to get us together so we could record today. So thank you so much, Roger. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate you, my friend. And with that, we're going to close out with Hell is for Children. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care.